Hello and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who's experienced a significant change in life. And I think when we take a step back, we realize that all of us have experienced pretty significant changes in life. So I want to sit down with people who have gone through those changes well to hear these stories. A lot of times they're crazy, wild, entertaining stories and maybe learn something from those stories and share that with you guys. So Happy to have you here. Thank you for listening. If you guys haven't yet, hit the subscribe button. Give the show a rating or a thumbs up, uh, depending on what platform you're listening to. And today we are sitting down with Dr. Josh Axe. And so I have known Dr. Axe now for coming up on two years. We first met in a coffee shop and we kind of hit it off right away. Uh, our wives are best friends. Him and I are best friends. And we're actually soon to be neighbors. And I'm very thankful for Josh's role in my life as a mentor, as a friend, and he's just a good guy to hang out with. But he has also built an amazing, an amazing company, uh, the number one health website in the world. And so you may or may not have seen Ancient Nutrition on the shelves at Whole Foods. That's his company. And he has a lot of wise words to say about business, about relationships, and about faith. And so I'm really excited to be bringing this interview to you guys you guys can find Josh in the show notes down below are his social media handles, but he's known as Dr. Josh Axe on most platforms. Has really informative, really interesting content that you guys should definitely check out. But without further ado, here is Dr. Josh Axe. Josh, Dr. Axe, thank you for joining us today. I have to say, this is the interview that I've been most nervous for. Wow. I'm not lying. Wow. This is because you have had such a great impact on my life and you're pro at this. Not to say that the other people I've interviewed aren't pros, but like, like you're the real deal, man. And I just want to say, first of all, thank you for the impact that you've left on my life. Dude, I, I was stoked to come on. I, I'm, you know, I've been waiting, sitting by the phone, waiting for the call. <laughs> and when you called, I was so excited. So I, uh, first of all, I love what you're doing. I love the mission of the podcast. I think it's so inspiring, you know, the interviews you've had. So I'm just, I'm totally honored to be on. We appreciate Thanks. that. I figured after I hit episode 50, I was like, maybe I'm qualified to interview Josh now. But I did want to start off with this question. If you had to guesstimate what our Settlers of Catan record is, like between you and I, what would you put that as? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably, you know, eight to two. Oh, my god! Now, gosh. I will say this. Recently, your record has been really good. I mean, you've won, won a couple times you know, in the last few. So, you know, if we're talking about the last 10... Probably fifty fifty. I yeah. Before that though, you were it took it took a little while. I'll but, take that. But yeah. your strategy now is is on point. So, <laughs> Josh and I love playing board games against our wives. Usually we dominate them. So that's I'll tell you, great. Some, some of the biggest marriage moments Chelsea and I have had have been because of board games. Really? Settlers of Catan. Yeah. If you you know if you lay the robber on her or do anything, <laughs> it, she'll she'll take they'll take it personally. And uh, but it's great. It's good. It's great. I'm glad you could use that as a learning experience. I want to start off, if you could give the audience a brief overview of what your life growing up was like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So my life growing up was great. I'll say this. So I had two amazing parents and I, and I feel really blessed to have the childhood I had. I had, uh, my mom was my gym teacher in elementary school and my dad worked at a telephone company, worked fixing power lines and just a really, he was a guy, he, he was in Vietnam War, very disciplined and so for me growing up, like I had a mom who was super nurturing, super caring. I had a dad who was very self-control and self-disciplined. But yet, like there's some things that I just loved about my dad. Like my dad always told me he was proud of me, which I know not everybody gets. My dad never missed a sports game of me playing soccer, basketball, running track. And uh, my dad would admit when he was wrong. That's something else too. Like I feel like today I can 
admit I'm wrong. I feel like I can tell people I'm proud of them because when you have somebody do that for you, it, it just, especially so young. So I had a great childhood of being really active in sports. I went to a Christian school growing up where I feel like I had really good sort of morals and values instilled in me. And I'll just give you an example of a few things, and this might sound you know, a little different than what people do, but like my dad just taught discipline and that you needed to create daily habits that were healthy. So one of the habits was when we get done with school, we walk in from you know the house at three o'clock. Before you can walk in the house, you have to do a set of pull-ups. So like that was one of my dad's things was, you know, you do a set of push-ups on one day and pull-ups on the other day before you walk in the house. And it was good. It just taught me that, that hey, you just create these healthy daily habits. And we had a real limit on TV. There was like you know, an hour a day of technology. And at that time, I didn't have cell phones or anything else. But yeah, growing up, I had um, great parents. One of the things, I had great grandparents. We were really close with my mom's parents. And so my grandparents ran a campground as their business and sort of like a water park. So like I would go up there all summer and we would, they had big ponds, fishing ponds. So we'd catch frogs and snakes. And like, I would just do chores, you know, around the campground all day. And it was a great childhood. That's good. Yeah. Uh, you've taken those daily habits and I was listening, you have, and I know this, you have your spiritual triathlon, that's what you call it. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So for me, I had a mentor, this is years ago. And he said, you know, if you win the morning, you win the day. And I thought that, man, that's, that's such a good slogan. So I'm a big believer in mentorship, you know? And so, um, one of the things that one of my mentors did, who was highly successful, he wrote, some New York Times bestselling books, has an amazing family, ran a successful business, changed a lot of lives. But every morning he would wake up and he would spend the first few minutes of his day, anywhere from 15, he typically would do about 30 minutes doing a spiritual triathlon. So he would do 10 minutes and sort of like, you know, just gratefulness, being grateful. He'd look at his vision board. He would maybe praise God, but he would spend that first 10 minutes doing that. He'd spend 10 minutes reading like a personal growth book or Bible or something like that. And then he'd spend 10 minutes in either prayer or visualization or meditation, but he would do that 30 minutes. And then he would do a quick sort of 30, 40 minute workout. And he would call it, it was sort of like his hour of power. He would do 30 minutes on his spiritual health, 30 minutes on his physical health. And then he would sort of go into the rest of his day. So I started doing that spiritual triathlon and trying to then, hey, get a quick workout in right after every morning. And, you know, when you can start off your day like that, I feel like you've won the day already, you know? And I think most people would feel that. Hey, if you worked on the things that are most important, especially spiritual health and emotional health first, I know this too. Let's say I'm meditating on something and it's, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So that'd be one of the things you'd read that, you'd read the context around that, and then you would meditate on that and thinking about how am I going to apply that to my life? And I started doing this specifically in college. And when I did, I could tell the days I would do that it was like I was treating people better. I was, if I came into a conflict, I dealt with it in a better manner versus sometimes, hey, if I wouldn't read it or wouldn't practice that discipline, I just noticed this pattern. I didn't react the way that I was proud of reacting versus when I do it, I feel like I'm, I got my battle armor on. I'm ready to go out and I'm ready to serve and love people the way that I believe that we should do to everybody. So I think for me, that's probably been my most transformative habit. That's great. There are two... I think maybe you could correct me. Big pivotal moments that I kind of want to address. The first being when you were a teenager, your mom's health problems. Yeah. 
Um, if you could dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So when I was growing up, as I mentioned, my family was into health and fitness. So my mom was my gym teacher in elementary school. She was a swim instructor. My dad was a semi-pro water skier, lifted weights. And we were always into fitness, but at 40 years old, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, which really just shocked us. And I lived in what I'll call kind of the medical model to where anytime we were sick, we got put on antibiotics and medications and really like we just had all these health problems growing up. And my mom went through the traditional medical treatments, of course, when she was diagnosed. So my mom went and had a mastectomy. She went through rounds and rounds and rounds of chemotherapy. And I can still remember this day. I remember seeing her hair fall out. I remember looking at her and I had thought it really looked like she had aged 20 years in two weeks after all of her chemo treatments and how sick she was getting. And there were a few times that they said, Hey, you know, go and say goodbye to your mom because we're not sure if she's going to make it. So that, that I was in eighth, I was going into eighth grade at the time. It was the summer going from seventh to eighth grade. And I remember it just so distinctly. And eventually she made it through those treatments and she was diagnosed as being cancer free and healthy. The shocking thing was though, she seemed less healthy after she went through all the chemo. My mom was then diagnosed with anxiety and depression. So she got put on anti, uh, antidepressant, anti-anxiety drugs. She got diagnosed with hypothyroidism, chronic fatigue syndrome, digestive issues like leaky gut. She was just, my mom was sick and tired all the time growing up. One of my biggest memories is she was just overwhelmed and sick. 10 years later, she was diagnosed with cancer again. This time I was a year away from graduating and I was about to move to Nashville and open up my functional medicine clinic here where we did everything from nutrition to chiropractic to exercise therapy. And she called me on the phone in tears and she said, what do I do? And I said, I'll be home. I flew from Florida where I was in school back to Ohio where I grew up. And we sat down and prayed together and I just felt really, we felt really led to take care of her all naturally. So with my mom, we just, even though her doctors were saying, hey, we need to go in and treat this now with surgery and radiation. We said, you know what? We want to have four months to try this natural approach. They didn't agree, but we did it anyways. And so she started juicing vegetables every single day. She started doing supplements like reishi mushroom and turmeric. She started getting lymphatic drainage massage with essential oils like frankincense. We worked on building peace. She did a lot of meditation and visualization of her body healing. We just kind of changed everything about how she operated and you know, completely changed her diet. We went back four months later. Uh, they redid a PET scan, a CT scan, and they called us the next day, her oncologist who is from Columbus, Ohio, and they said, this is high, their exact words were, this is highly unusual. We don't typically see this, but your tumors have shrunk by more than half. The largest mass is 2.5 centimeters. It's dropped down to 1.2. They said, we want to see you again in nine months. She went back nine months later in complete remission. And so today, my mom, it's been about maybe 12, 13 years since then. My mom is 67. She water skis. She's ran 5Ks, finished second in her age group. And she says she feels better now in her 60s and her 30s. So for me, that was such a turning point in faith and seeing that the body has an amazing capacity to heal if we put it in the right environment. If somebody gets emotionally healthy, if somebody gets physically healthy, the body really wants and can heal. So that was a big turning point in my career in life, both of those instances of her being sick and going through a traditional medicine versus going through this sort of natural medicine approach. It's so interesting in the NFL locker room. I'm around a lot of like overly confident guys or like super confident guys. And when we first met and when we were getting to know you, it struck me like your confidence is so high, but not in like the prideful way. It's just like, I've never seen somebody so convicted in their beliefs. And that's what's been one of the more inspiring things to me. Like I literally have never met anybody who's as convicted as you. And so there's all this happens, as you say, and there's a point where 
you're practicing and one of your patients wanted to have you publish an article for one of their health plans yeah. that ultimately set you off on creating com, and you know, it's ultimately turned into ancient nutrition, which is like, if you guys don't know about them, checking them out, they have the best collagen, the best bone broth protein. Sean and I use it every day, but your conviction and your confidence in how you are so sure of what the future is going to look like. I feel like, like when you pray, it's not dear Lord, we hope that this happens. It's dear Lord, we know that you have the best in mind and this will happen. And that's, what's been so interesting to me. When you talk about your business, it's, we have the best product. And even though that product might not be out yet, it is, that's what the standard is. And thus that's where all your energy is going into creating it yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. It's been amazing uh, well, to, to watch. Thank you. But I wanted to dive into that mindset and how, have you always been like that? Or is that something that's been developed over time? You know, if someone, one, 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 I was at a conference not too long ago speaking on just leadership and they said, what's your biggest life lesson? And it was really easy for me to answer. And I answered this, I said, you become who you surround yourself with. And some of us have heard this principle, maybe some haven't, but you become like the five people you surround yourself with most. And I think that that plays a part. I think that, um, by the way, it plays a part, but also like just growing up, even though I had amazing parents, my dad was still a little bit like, he would say things like, well, don't get your hopes too high, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like... Yeah. And so, but then for me, I think there's a couple things that go into that. One, I saw and had mentors who instilled in me that we should believe strongly in what we do if we are working in excellence. And I saw my mentors operate this way in that they had built really successful clinics or written books or helped people. And I've had especially both some amazing people in the business world and amazing pastors who I really saw how they operated, conducted themselves. And here's what I saw in them. This is just a, a biblical principle too, but they had better outcomes than other people. I'm a very kinesthetic and visual learner, as I think a lot of people are. And so like I would go and see Dr. Ben, one of the guys, and he would allow me to one time a week, like I would drive an hour because I worked in his clinic. I was his nutritionist. He'd let me stay at his house. But because of that, I got to see the way he interacted with his wife. I got to see the way he interacted with his kids. I got to see when he had a business meeting or had something going on the way he conducted himself. And I think I saw his level of confidence and how things worked out for his good. Even though it might not have been exactly like he thought, he prepared properly. He did things with excellence. He gave it 100%. And the outcome most of the time turned out the way he wanted, or if it didn't, it wasn't a bad outcome. He would actually turn out and use that for good somehow. So I think being able to see my mentors operate like that, I think that's a big thing. And I think a lot of it also comes down to identity. I think there's a lot of people out there who maybe see themselves as maybe other people have labeled them. And I'll share this. Like when I was in school, this was when I was in elementary school, I had a teacher who I told her that I wanted to become a doctor. And this was when I was in fifth grade. And it, I remember she, she literally, and I'm not kidding, she laughed at me and she's like, with your GPA, you don't have a chance. Because listen, listen to this. My GPA in high school was a 2-4. Oh I, I barely got into school Josh. I wanted to. I actually had to go to summer school to get in to where I went to undergrad. And at one point, I sort of hit me like, I'm not trying. And so eventually I started trying and had, you know, did well, you know, had well, well above a 3.0 and I was doing like, you know, lots of extracurriculars and I was on mid. So anyway, so, but all that being said, like, I think for a lot of people, like I had that instilled in me. So for a while, I literally had my thought, I'm not smart. 
because I literally had a teacher say, I don't think you're smart enough for that. Your GPA is not good enough for that. And I literally had a time period of that. And then I had somebody else speaking my life and they're like, wow, you're really smart. You can memorize stuff well. And like, I had to reevaluate and think, okay, what am I? Who am I? Looking at my identity. And so for me, and again, I'm not trying to make this a a religious podcast because I know everybody has different belief systems. But for me, I know that I'm a child of God and I'm meant to have a relationship with God. And what does that mean for me? I believe that I'm called to being his child. And I think it's just like we think about our relationships. Like I know I've met your parents. They're great. I know that I have great parents. And my dad wants to see me succeed. My dad wants to see me win and thrive. And knowing that I have a God, a dad who wants to see me win and succeed and thrive, that has been so huge to me in my identity. And also knowing that every person on the planet is created with specific gifts, purpose, and a mission. So again, knowing that God's created me with unique gifts that I should use to make the earth better. I really believe we should all try and make earth like heaven. So again, like just to give you an example, if I walk out the door and you don't do this because you're an Eagle Scout, but you know, <laughs> if there were trash in your yard, I'm not going to leave it there. Like I would pick it up right. because that's turning earth into heaven. It's making it more like heaven. What is heaven? It's a, it's a place of perfection where you're surrounded by the presence of God and what's God. Well, every positive characteristic you can think of, hope, love, joy, peace, that's anyways, not to get too far off, but all that being said, <laughs> I do think that for a lot of people and for me, why do I have so much confidence? Because I know that I'm a child of God and I'm called, I have unique gifts and I'm going to use those gifts. And But again, a part of it is who you're surrounding yourself with. There's a lot of people who are spending time around, whether it's family or friends or people in their life that are trying to sabotage them and bring them down. They don't want to see them raise up and succeed. And so, and and let me ask, I mean, anybody watching or listening to this, have you ever had anybody where maybe you're, let's talk about health, you're on a diet and they're trying to sabotage you on your diet. Hey, why don't you eat this? Hey, it's okay if you don't versus, hey, how can I support you in succeeding? Hey, what are your goals? What can I do to help see you win? Those are the sort of people you want to surround yourself with. That's personally why, I mean, Chelsea and I love hanging out with you and Sean. And you guys know you were two of our best friends. And the reason for that is I am very conscious of who do I surround myself with. Like after I have a conversation or hang out with you, you've got such a spirit of joy, such a spirit of encouragement, such a spirit of wanting to support people, including myself. And so that's why we spend a lot of time around you guys. I mean, we love you guys, but also like it's iron sharpens iron when we're with you. I think it's the same thing. Like I had a mentor tell me this. They said, you need to write down on a sheet of paper, the five people that you should be spending most time with, the people that are encouragers, the people that are inspiring, that make you better. And then write down those two or three people that you know are having a bad influence on you and sort of push those people out of your life in terms of spending time with them. And so, and I really did that and I've been proactive about that. I think that's a big part of identity as well. That's huge. It has been such an interesting dynamic with you because we get along as friends so well, but also I view as like, the most significant mentor in my life. That's probably obvious, but all I want to do is just like pick your brain. And that's like so much different than just hanging out. But well, can I tell you that that's how I was always wired. Like my, my (laughs) mentors were always like some of my best friends and still are. So it's, uh, I think that's the way it's meant to be. Yeah. When I watch you make a decision or when I watch you set goals, like you have, you're such a force and you're so intense in like the most positive way because your boundaries of reality, like, almost don't exist. Literally in your mind, I feel like it's just limitless possibilities, which is fantastic. And that's been another big impact you've had is 
I feel like all of us kind of inherently have these built-in boundaries that our parents established for us or that we've developed over time because of failures, whatever. And you've like cracked those open for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, holy, we would not be living in this house had it not been for you and your encouragement and like challenging me. You've challenged me so many different ways. Going back to you spending time with the five or you are who... Let me say one one more thing. uh, So while you were at training camp with the Redskins, (laughs) I mean, Chelsea and Sean, I literally had a whole conversation about you know, Andrew for president. So, I mean, but I'm not kidding. Like we were like, man, and like anyways, Stop. so well, appreciate that. Go ahead. No, that's hilarious. Um, I remember you telling me a story of you reaching out to a pastor who you really admired and moving up to live with them, I believe for an extended period of time, maybe a month or maybe more. Tell us about what sparked that because you have this sense of urgency. Like when we say, Hey, let's take a double date trip somewhere with Chelsea and Sean. I say that, but then sometimes I don't pull out the calendar and like actually put it on the calendar with you. It's okay, guys, let's do a double day trip. Pull out your calendars. We're booking it right now. And you know, <laughs> like you have this sense of urgency. Yeah. Tell us the story of you going to live with that pastor. So anyway, so it was actually a, a doctor, um, but he was an amazing Christian doctor yeah. and um, he lived in Chicago and, and, you know, and I, and I do this sometimes now in this case, it was living with him and I asked to intern with him and he said, and, and he was nice enough to invite me to, but I just said, and this is a very unfortunate, this, this is a, a mentor of mine who passed away just two years ago. And, and it's been really unique because he's got a son in high school now who I've been able to mentor. So it was a really, I just did a call with him last week. His name's Caleb Majors, but uh, Charles Majors, I was able to go up and live with him. And this is an example. So uh, he, he would wake up every morning and we would start off doing a, a veggie juice. You know, we'd just down this green juice of kale and cucumber and celery and ginger. And then we would go on the treadmill. We'd do this burst training, 20 minute workout. And then we'd spend time, we'd have a whole, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of reading a personal growth book. So like when I lived with him, I read like a book a week because he would be like, okay, you read an hour a day or hour in the morning and 30 minutes to an hour at night. So literally every single week. And then he would have me write a book summary and go over it with me. But it was such an impactful experience. So for me, you know, there's a story in the Bible when they talk about this term, it's called chutzpah and it's a Jewish terminology. And chutzpah basically means bold persistence. Okay. And so for me, I, you know, I just, Again, one of the things that I, I just was learning and had imparted to me is that if you want something, you continually go after it. And so I'm trying not to, because I could uh, talk for an hour about this, <laughs> but all that being said, I think for me, I'm just bold in what I ask because, you know, you, we've heard my dad used to always say this to me. He was like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And I, it's that sort of mentality. Like, like I heard this recently from a really brilliant businessman and his daughter. His daughter said every night they would get sit down at the dinner table and her dad would say, what did you win and what did you fail at today? She would say, hey, here's what I wanted. Here's what I failed at. And he would always encourage her, failure's okay. I'm so glad you tried. Versus some people see failure as it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. Her dad, and I think now I read like she's a CEO of a, of a company, like a Fortune 500 company. But for her, she was taught, you should be failing. It's okay to fail. Everybody fails. But, you know, failure is part of winning. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, I wanted to stop for a second and tell you about something that Sean and I have been using for the past week or so. And it's a habit forming program that is focused on significant lasting goals for a healthier lifestyle. We all know that getting in shape isn't just about losing weight. It's about learning healthier habits and feeling better about yourself, whatever that means for you. Well, what if you could use one program for all your health and weight loss needs? Noom is a training app, it's a calorie counter, and it's a meal plan all in one. 
Plus, you get a goal specialist, mine's name is Emily, and a community of members to keep you motivated and accountable. Noom is unlike any program I've ever used or seen before. They really focus on your ultimate why to help you understand and motivate your new healthy habits. My goal? Well, it's to help make sure that I can still beat my son in wrestling in 18 years or take my daughter on an awesome outdoor adventure. Noom does a great job at educating and motivating me in a fun way that keeps me coming back. And it empowers me to be encouraged that I can go out and be health conscious. My social life doesn't have to suffer. The app is super easy and gives you a daily list of tasks with a coach and a group, shout out to Rachel and Clarissa, to help you through it. Noom is a habit-changing solution based in psychology that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses that teach you why you do the things you do and arms you with the tools to break the bad habits and replace them with better ones. And don't be intimidated. Noom just asks you to commit 10 minutes a day, and it's really become a 10 minutes that I've grown to enjoy. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, that's N-O-O-M dot com slash redirected. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash redirected to start your trial today. That's Noom.com slash redirected, the last weight loss program you'll need. It really is awesome, guys. Check it out in the link in the show notes. I want to stop for a second and give a shout out to Himalaya. Himalaya is my favorite app to listen to podcasts on. And not only do they have a truly beautiful interface, they also have great search and discover features to help you find new shows. And then they also have some really creative and unique ways for you to help support creators and interact with those creators. So thank you, Himalaya. Be sure to check them out and follow me if you get the chance. I would also love you to tell a story of how you learned the habit of your follow-up, like when you say, I'm going to pray for you, I know that like you're actually going to pray yeah. for me. You know what I'm saying? And when you say, oh, I would love for you to connect me with that person. I want to write a health plan. Yeah. Like I know you're actually going to like write a health plan probably like within the next half hour. Yeah. How have you developed that? You know, I think, let me just say the biggest thing that helps with that. It's not having a million things going on in your life. I think saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. I love the book, Good to Great. He says, in order to say yes to great, you have to say no to a lot of good. And so for me, I'm very conscious about, like, I don't try and be friends with a thousand people. I'm very conscious of, hey, maybe I, I, there's five or six people that I'm very conscious of. I would rather go very deep than go very wide with people in terms of relationships. And so that being said, you know, I really look at my life and I say, okay, um, I'm just wired like this. I'm very planned and strategic, but I also leave room for adventure, creativity, doing other things. But I think just to give, I'll give you an example of this. Let's say for instance, like I'll, I'll share this year. Like I have several goals. One of my goals is to help our company, Ancient Nutrition, grow by 50%. Okay. That's one goal. And so what I say to myself is what are the things, the biggest things like where I can operate my area of strength to help us get there? Well, it's recording videos. It's finishing a book. It's doing leadership development with the team. Anything outside of that, I delegate or really have someone else do. Let's say, for instance, I want to build leaders and help leaders achieve their goals. I can't do it with 100 people, but let's say I'm picking six guys or girls that I really, I want to see them achieve their dreams. And I believe for myself, like, I'll just share this, like, I don't, I'm reading a great book now. It's called Hero Maker. And it's so good that, like, I don't need to be the hero. Like, I don't even want to be the hero. Like, I want to help other people be the hero. Like, I get more satisfaction. I believe we're called to this. I get more satisfaction about seeing someone else win in their business and life or get publicity than I do myself. And so, like, I think that's another thing, too. It's like, 
I can't say yes to everybody. I say no to certain things. And, and some people, especially, you know, I think about this, like my mom said yes way too much growing up. Hey, can you drive the kids to soccer practice? Can you bring the snacks? Can you volunteer at school? Can you volunteer at church? And she was teaching and she was like taking care of us kids and doing the lot. Like that's just a lot of stuff. And a lot of people get in the habit of saying yes to everything all the time. And so they're saying yes to maybe some good things. But if people really want to have the biggest impact in life, I think they say yes to, they're very selective in making sure they're just saying yes to the great things in life. So that may not exactly answer the question, but I just really feel like for myself, and then I prioritize. I don't try and do 50 things a day. I try and do three things every day. I'm saying outside of, hey, I have my daily habits. And the other way, I sometimes structure my days to where I try and do what are called focus days and free days. Like focus days are where I'm getting stuff done. I've got a list of things, I'm getting them done. And the free days are more, or buffer days are more, you know, I have a little bit more spontaneity to do other things. But anyways, I know that was a lot I just said. That was good. But yeah. I'm really, my goal with this podcast is just to have you share your mindset because it is, again, so unique. So I think it, I think you're doing a good job. And, and I'll say this too, like my biggest, we have several values within our company. The number one core value is run to win the race. Hmm. And that essentially means you do everything with excellence. You know, I mean, I think we have high standards and if you hire the right team members, they want to achieve those standards. But that's, that's the other thing too. Like, I think that it just, as we're talking about mindset, my dad always told me like, if you're going to do something, do it a hundred percent, you know, run to win the race. So I think that's another important mindset too, that may not be super relevant, but I think that's important to think about. Yeah. Not to belabor the point, but my grandpa had a saying of do everything with such excellence that you'd be proud to sign your name to it. Oh, I love that. It's great. But you've unlocked this. When you were starting DrX.com and when you're managing your writers, you say that you tell them the articles they write need to be the best in the world. And so that's, again, a challenge to me because I think excellence, I'm like, okay, well, what is excellence? Probably if I had to put a number to it, top 80th percentile, you know, that's, that's pretty excellent. But yours is number one in the world. You know, that's, yeah. that's unique. Not everybody has that mindset. Yeah. And, and, and let me say this. I think there's, a, there's an element of, hey, starting out, maybe it can't be the best in the world, but you're striving to get there. Yeah. You're working hard to get there. That's on your vision. So again, I don't think it's about, it's not about being perfect either. It's about, I'm striving to be the best I possibly can and to be the best in the world. Yeah. And that's it. Because when I started, like if I go back and watch my first YouTube video, I would probably be embarrassed. <laughs> but I was working, you know, I was striving. I, I yeah. was working towards that. Yeah. And, and, and let me say one other important mindset too. If you have team members or people in your life, for me, it's not about me just doing things with excellence. It's about me inspiring my team and helping them become excellent, become, helping them become a hero, helping them become the best in the world. So like I used to write all our articles and then I realized, you know what, this isn't the most effective way to change the world and to help people heal and get this content out. So I created a playbook where I wrote down in order to write the best article in the world, what does that mean? And so we start out every article with a medical study proving our point. And then we go over the nutrition facts, the benefits according to all the medical studies. We go over the recipe. So if somebody is like reading about turmeric, but they're like, how do I even get this into my life? We have a recipe, we have a supplement dosage, we recommend all of those things. So I think that's an important thing to remember too. It's not about, so many people today are just so focused on themselves. Mm -hmm on personal growth. How do I grow me? It's important you're investing in yourself, but at the same time, if you're investing in yourself and not 
pouring into others and helping them achieve their hopes and dreams, you know, I, I think people are selling themselves short. You encouraged me to read the book Hero Maker. And yeah. I was three pages in and literally when he conveyed his message of the book of like, don't just focus all your energy on you being a good leader, make others. I was like, oh, that's Josh. Anyway, that's great. So you, your role within your company's chief visionary officer. Yep. Right? And you encouraged me to make a vision board. Talk to us about the importance of that. It, we talked about before the show, like this podcast is mostly people telling the stories of the transitions they've had. Yeah. And I think you provide so much knowledge in how to make that transition effectively. So that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I mean, that was a big thing for me. So I was at a, at a camp and I had a mentor and he said, Hey, just do something for me. Imagine yourself. And he had, had me visualize different areas of my life. Imagine the perfect you know life in 10 years, your relationship with your spouse, your business life, your recreational life. Like, what are you doing for... And I invented all these things. He's like, okay, imagine yourself getting there. What has to happen? What, and he had me vision this whole thing. He said, okay, now envision yourself. You never grow. None of those things happen. You're disappointed. You're di like, he had me visualize my life like where I'm just... What I would see as being a bad, disappointing life. And it was good because it kind of showed me I want to end up here, hmm. you know? And so he said, okay, in order to get here, he said, first off, it's important to know where you're going because 90 plus percent of people have never really thought about where they want to get at the end of their life. And I'll share this too. I had a, my, both my grandfathers have passed away in the past five years, one five years ago and one last year. And my one grandfather, I'm just going to share this. Like I wasn't very close to him. He was a little bit of a grumpy guy and, uh, you know, and when he died, this was sort of crazy. Like he kept saying um, he sees fire. And so I'm not going to say anything else aside from that. But like he just, you know, like I never really received any value from him whatsoever. I have another grandfather and, and no one really at his funeral, it was sad. No one really said much about him except for, hey, we liked being with this guy. My grandfather, Howard, who passed last year at his funeral, people were, I mean, half the room stood up and said, Howard, like, literally saved my marriage, or, you know, he gave me a purpose in life, all these things. So my grandfather, he just ran a campground. Like, that's yeah. what he did. You think like, what's, but my grandfather would go back, he would bring people that didn't have enough food, he would bring them food, he would pray for them, he would help them achieve their goals in life. And like, so at his funeral, like, it was such an inspiring time and moment. And so I think about for myself, like, I want to be like him, I want to get the end of my life, and I want to have the biggest impact possible. The problem is a lot of people have never thought about it. So their life is running them. They're not running their life. And they have not really thought about what is the plan to where I get to the end of my life and I've had a maximum impact. And I've lived the best life I possibly could, a life where I had joy, but also I blessed others in just an extravagant way. So for me with the vision board, it's all about sitting down and visualizing what do I want my relationship with my spouse to be? Where do I want to go and travel in the future? What do I want my work life to look like? What impact do I want to have? And then I will write down, I'll write down the vision. I'll turn those into goals. And then I will print out pictures. Maybe I just go to Google images and print out pictures and put those all on a vision board. And I have my goals on one page, strategy on another, and it's on a cork board surrounded by pictures. And I think for, if we're talking about, you know, the analogy of life being a race, What's your finish line? Where is it you're trying to go? If you ever ran a race and you don't have a finish line, you just run aimlessly. And so yeah. anyways, all that being said, I think that's been big for me. The big thing that hit me when we did that exercise was the actual pictures of it. Because a lot of times people set goals, but then it's like, like, what is the beach going to look like when I travel there? Or yeah. like, what house do I actually want to live in in 10 years? And like, not the material actually matters, but like to actually set it in your mind to 
think about this is actually what it's going to, if this is my goal, this is what it's going to result in and, and have a tangible image of that, which is. Man, I, I, I love my vision board. Like I like going there first thing in the morning too and just sort of praying over it and thinking about it. And I mean, it's fun. Like I, Chelsea and I have some trips on there. Like I have a picture of New Zealand on there, which we haven't been there yet. I have a picture of going to Israel. I have pictures of, you know, certain business goals and it, it gets you excited. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned the strategy that you put with that vision board. And I was listening to some of your interviews prepping for this and you were describing how when you're launching DrX.com, you said, hey, I want 10 million monthly visitors. So what other websites get 10 million and how can I model them? How many articles are they putting out a week? And then kind of backing down from there and the way you described it of, okay, if I need to write 20 articles a week to get 10 million monthly visitors, how much staff is that going to require? And just the way you described it and your systematic thinking is amazing to me. Yeah. Just reverse engineering the plan. So for instance, if, if somebody wants to run a 10K in under 40 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it is, you know, okay, working backwards, okay, I need to run three, four days a week. I need to do a long run. I need to do an interval run. I need to do a tempo run. With those runs, by halfway through, I should be doing this time. And that's it. So I think, again, strategy is so important, achieving your goals and, and having you know, the best outcome for your life. And so, but yeah, reverse engineer. If somebody's watching this and they're saying to themselves, you know, I want to build a an Instagram or a YouTube following of 100,000 people. You just need to know, you need to connect with the experts and see, hey, what have they done? What are they doing? I mean, you know, following you you and Sean on Instagram and YouTube to see, okay, you know, what are some things that you guys have done that people really connected with and loved? And the thing why so many people love you guys is you guys add such great value to people's lives and you're just, you guys are authentic. You guys are so transparent and real. So I think people can learn a lot from you know, modeling, you never want to copy anybody, but modeling what someone else has done for success. I mean, that's in Western culture, just to kind of, you know, put these against each other in Western culture today, where everything we believe and think is based off of Greek thought. Mm -hmm. It's all knowledge. And so we would say something like strong or protection in terms of the words we use. Eastern thought is actually using more more pictures to describe things in their, their way is modeling. So our educational system is Greek. We don't show you how to do anything. Somebody can be a business professor and never have run a business. So they don't actually have that experience. You know, ancient culture was much about, hey, you're learning from your father or someone else, and they're showing you every day how to succeed in farming, how to succeed in business in the marketplace or as an educator or whatever it is. Yeah. And so anyways, all that being said, I think that's... Uh, yeah, I forget my point with that. <laughs> but but anyways, I, I I'll, I'll I'll just say this: I do think that um, it, it was modeling. It was learning through modeling. But I do think if you're going to win, just reading about things versus like for instance, if you guys wrote, "Here's how to be transparent," it'd be like okay. Versus watching how you guys are transparent, how you communicate, how you and Sean love each other, show affection. It's like that's how I learn, and that's actually how most people learn. Yeah, you also. Do a great job. And we kind of mentioned this earlier, but your huspa and surrounding yourself with the experts that you, like we got into golf a couple months yeah, ago right. and like literally you tell me in the morning, like, Hey, I'm into golf. And then you're connected with Ben Crane, PGA superstar right. that afternoon. Like you're getting lunch with them. Yeah. And it's like, there's a certain courage and like, you're not scared to reach out. <laughs> I, I'm not. And here, and here's why this is my mentality. I'm not scared to reach out because I try and be as humble as can. I know that I don't know everything. I know that I'm wrong. And I know that people are smarter than me in most areas. So all that being said, I know that if Ben teaches me, 
I will listen and I will practice and I will do what he says. And I appreciate that because I've laid out health plans for people over the years where they followed it. And I have never regretted giving time to somebody when I have given them advice and they followed through with it. You know what I would regret is I give advice to somebody and they didn't follow through and they didn't do anything with it. So to, so that being said, I think I have confidence knowing somebody is going to see the fruit of their labor. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll try and make it worth their time. <laughs> That's good. Can you tell me, okay. So like a lot of people, I feel like don't use their luxury time. Well, what advice do you have for them? So someone's extra time, yeah, luxury time. So I would say, I mean, I, you know, I'm thoughtful about this too, like writing down what do you love doing? Like, what are your best memories? Like if somebody has, like, I think about this growing up, like, what are my best childhood memories? And for me, it was always doing trips or doing things with people I just love and care about, like people I really connect with. And that's what I would do. I would take time and write down, what are your best past experiences? What were you doing? And then recreate those in a way. I'll give you an example. Like this October, I'll go to, I grew up in Ohio, so I'm an Ohio State fan, and I'll go with my best friends from high school. We do this every year. We go to, uh, we're going to Ohio State, Wisconsin game, and we're going to have a blast, you know, and we'll go for a couple days and have fun. Like Chelsea loves New York. We have great experiences in New York. So like, you know, we went with you and Sean last year, which was such a blast and all the restaurants. And like this time we just went, we cycled through, you know, Central Park and the whole thing. So all that being said, like, I'm really proactive about, man, what do I love to do? And also what does Chelsea love to do? And planning that, you know, planning out some of those things in our year of experiences we we love to have. We talked about camping. Here's the thing, like, I love camping. Like, girl, I have some great experiences because my grandparents owned a campground. So we'd camp there, we'd roast marshmallows, we would, you know, like, I love it. So I just, you know, we, we got to think through Chelsea and Sean, like, because they're, they're not on board. You, you know what, you just, you and me need to go because... You know, I've been wanting to learn a thing or two from the Eagle Scout here. Yeah, I so. could teach you. I could teach it up. It does crack me up about you in that you know what you like and you don't venture too much outside of that. Like you have your restaurants yeah. in New York that you're going to hit every single time, you know. But that's a, that's fine. Like that's literally, you just love those restaurants so much that you're going to stick to them. I'm a little bit more a creature <laughs> of habit. Chelsea is the super yeah. adventurous one. And not to say, hey, I'm down, you know, I'm down for some adventure. I would rather plan it. <laughs> But I'm, but I'm down for it. <laughs> I think that takes away the whole, the whole, anyway. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe it does. Okay, so we'll close out here. I want to know what goals do you have now? Wow. So just a few things that I've been thinking through, a couple things. So one would be, I want to see ancient nutrition change the nutraceutical landscape. I want to have higher standards. You know, there are standards in the food supply, like, hey, if a food is grass-fed, if it's wild-caught fish, you know, there's different standards Whole Foods has. We're actually partnering with Whole Foods Market, and in the future, we're going to have actually these degrees in, in supplements. I'm flying out to New Zealand next year, and we, with an Ancient Nutrition Whole Foods, we are creating a whole line of supplements and superfoods that are sourced wild from New Zealand with the highest standards in the entire world. So one, I want to see us with Ancient Nutrition have our products in, uh, we're, we're already in Target, we're in Kroger, but have all of our products in there, be in gas stations, be in airport, just be everywhere because we create the world's best herbal supplements and college and everything else. So I want that to be everywhere. The other big passion I have is, and you and I have connected a lot on this, I want to help leaders disciple other leaders and, and help people live their best life possible. So again, just thinking about, I'll give you an example of this too. Like I went on a mission trip to China 13 years ago and I was a student, so I didn't have much money, 
but I gave what I could at the time for this. There was a three Ford exchange or three students over there. One of his name rule specifically was Michael. And we paid for them to come over to the U.S. We worked out something with the university. They went to chiropractic college. They then went back to China where they practice today. But I heard, you know, I've heard from him a few times over the years. And so he went from having no belief system. uh, I shouldn't say no belief system, but just not having a really strong belief system to he really embraced a relationship with God. He started working on character and leadership development for himself. He came here, went to school, and now he's back there and he is pouring, he's transforming lives. So for me, that's my greatest, like that just gets me excited and happy. And so I want to be able to continue to do more in helping people develop as leaders, but also make other leaders and do things in business the right way. Here's another thing. You know, I think that if somebody is operating a business and they're ruining the environment while they're doing it. Mm. I don't care if that's a billion dollar business, that's a bad business. Versus if somebody is creating a business to where, for instance, a coffee company, okay, and they're going into South America, they're creating fair trade practices, they're supporting women, making sure they're getting more money, they're putting in a business ecosystem, they're helping that person run the business and create uh, other partners and literally building and transforming a whole community. Maybe there's a ministry aspect and, and taking care of people there. But to me, that's a good business. Do you know what I'm saying? So for me, I think that's one of the other things I'm most passionate about is not just doing business to where you're making money, doing business where you're transforming lives and not just saying you're doing it with a label, but actually you're literally transforming the whole community. So that'd be another thing that I'm, and and listen, I could keep going for hours here. Like I want to do a regenerative community in Nashville eventually where we have greenhouses and we have gardens, you know, as part of that, we've got maybe, you know, a winery on a hillside. It's a whole neighborhood that's all about sustainability. And anyways, lots of plants. Do you guys think (laughs) You're going to stop by the Lord of the Rings set when you're in New Zealand? Oh, or? yeah. We're definitely going to. So I'm a huge, you know, my, the, the, the dorky side of me, which is, you know, not just the, you know, science part, but it's the, uh, yeah, the Lord. Yeah, I love Lord of the Rings. I love Marvel. I love superheroes, but especially he love Lord of the twi- Rings. He likes the Twilight series, too. I so. love anything where people have superpowers. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Um, okay. Three takeaways that you've learned over your journey that, could apply to the audience. Number one, and I, these are me rephrasing what I said, but number one, you become who you surround yourself with. Take some time today, write down who are those five people. Maybe you, you're not spending much time with them now. Maybe you haven't met them. Maybe you want to get to know them. And it shouldn't probably be this big time celebrity like Andrew, you know, <laughs> it should be, um, which I'd rather hang out with you than any big time celebrity. And you're, so you're saying I'm not a big time celebrity. Okay, you are a celebrity. (laughs) So anyways, but again, I would be real proactive about who are those five people you need to spend more time with who are encouragers, who are going to inspiring you. Be proactive about spending time with them. And when you're with them, ask them questions, be around, you know, and get some value, but give value back to them. Be serving them, be caring for them, making their life better. And then write down those, maybe it's three people that you know that they're sabotaging you. They're taking your time. They're discouraging to you. So that's number one is write down those five, get around those five people that are going to transform your life. Number two, make a vision board. I think that's a really big thing. I think taking time and writing down your goals in five areas, your uh, spiritual life, your physical life, your financial and professional life, your relational life, specifically with your spouse and kids and closest friends. And number five, your recreational life, things you want to do, places you want to go, things you, you know, some of those bucket list things. Like that's the other thing is make a vision board. And number five would be 
Do a spiritual triathlon. Start off every morning with being just gratefulness and reading a book that's a personal growth or, or helps you grow and spend some time in either prayer or meditation. But I think if people can do one of those three things or all of those three things, it'll be impactful. Can I ask you what your biggest challenge is that you're going through right now? Oh, man, biggest challenge. Um, my biggest challenge right now is it's something I said earlier. It's making sure that I am doing what I'm called to do. There are so many opportunities in life. Listen, I mean, all of us could spend time doing, going, putting our life in so many different directions. So right now I'm being very prayerful and thoughtful about what I should be doing with my time. Should I be working fully on just our nutrition company or should I be working on some of the things I have next? Should I be working more on leadership? Should I be, how much time and how involved can I be at my church? I'm definitely involved, but how much can I be? I'm just thinking about like, again, that and this is such a big thing. I was listening to a sermon recently by Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church, and he said, the way you pivot now. So if, imagine a basketball player sort of pivoting their feet. If you decide right now that you're going to have one podcast topic versus let's say you decided to change the topic here, in certain ways or in business or in what you do with your personal life, friends you make, it can change the trajectory of your entire life. And so I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, but my point is, and I know that, you know what, you can always adjust and shift along the way. But all that being said, I'm just being really prayerful about how I spend my time and what's next. And if I could add to that, when you say that, you've told me that every time you're on an airplane or traveling, you're thinking about that like that's that's your time to do that so it's not like this passive thing it's like a dedicated time which again i think is a key takeaway but dude you've you've shared a lot of great stuff on this and i appreciate this thanks i I just want to thank you publicly for being such a great friend for being such a great mentor and for all the value you've shared with the world honestly thanks dude well you're a great friend again we love you and sean and uh anyways If you haven't yet, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps the show out. And um, I love having a new audience. I love hearing what you guys think. And I love having you come back every single week.